0: Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, uh, we've got a really wonderful show today, and we're going to be talking about finding joy again after loss, which I know we're all looking for, and we've got a wonderful person who's written some books who's going to be talking to us about it. Why don't you introduce us to our guest, Heidi?
1: I would love to. Our guest today is Beth Marshall, and Beth is a good friend of ours, and she's a great ambassador for Open to Hope. She is one of our contributing writers at Open to Hope, and she is the author of two grief-related journals. Her newest book is called Grief Survivor, 28 Steps Toward Hope and Healing. It was designed to help people write and remember their loved ones and realize there really can be a joy-filled life after loss, and Beth really is a joyful person. She talks the talk, and she walks the walk. Welcome to the show, Beth.
0: Thanks so much. It's such an honor to be back with you, too. Yeah, it's great to have you on, and I know you do so much to help people and are so concerned. Now, uh, tell me, what's going on with you now? You were telling us that you'd had some uh, things happen in your life recently that have really kind of given you some new awareness, right?
2: It certainly has. It was just actually two days after Christmas when our, well, my beloved sister-in-law, who is a lot more like a sister than an in-law or an outlaw, she was just fantastic and just full of life, but she, um, I say she won her 18-month battle with brain cancer, but it was just days after Christmas, and our family started all over again in this season. It, it's been years since I lost both parents and then one other family member. It's been incredible to see the metamorphosis in how you learn some practical skills, not just of how to help other people, but in this new season, how to help ourselves.
0: mm mm-hmm. That's interesting. So uh, what did you learn about helping yourself?
2: I think our family learned that the way we communicate, the way that we cope the best, is through laughter and through telling stories. And I know that sounds strange when we're talking about grief. But even in the days following uh, Kay's death, I can remember gathering with my brother Mike and then their children and just looking through some scrapbooks, telling stories And letting her friends and their big community know it is okay to talk about her. I think that is something that over time that I've learned how important it is. And I know you all still do that with Scott's memory. You just, we keep them as part of the conversation. And to me, even today, it's just been weeks. And it is helping me tremendously just to call a family member and to have those conversations and to laugh
0: together. Mm Well. Now, I want to know, because you've written your books, and we can talk about that. They're beautiful, and they have journaling ideas, right? Did you journal?
2: Absolutely. That's You know, before losing my parents, I had always sort of been a journaler. But during that time, that seemed to be the number one uh, method I found of processing what was going on and also overcoming that fear that I might forget about them. I know in your show sometimes you talk about, people experiencing fogginess, which I know I've had that a few times, but uh, along with that came a fear that I might forget about them. And so I've even started writing out those things, not just things that I remember, but memories that friends are sharing. And we had talked to Gloria before about just the manual, using your hand to do something Mm -hmm. seems to give you a little control over the situation that is otherwise very out of control But in my life, that's the one place I have been able to get a lot of comfort.
0: You know, I was just thinking about, um, yeah, writing and moving your hand is great and that kind of thing. But I was thinking for the younger generation now, I think that they could print out some of the Facebook things. It's so easy to print them out now and uh, make a scrapbook or use your journal to actually just paste some of those things in. What are you thinking about that, Heidi?
1: I like that idea, especially using Facebook.
2: I think that's a great idea.
0: You could, this could be my Facebook scrapbook.
2: Right. Well, that's something that I've noticed even in the past maybe five or seven years that so many people are turning to Facebook and Instagram. And um, I've had a dear friend who was concerned about his children never getting to know their grandfather. And so he threw a question out there on Facebook and said, if you knew my dad, would you chime in with some stories? And it was so phenomenal to watch during the day. It was right before Father's Day, and people started pouring in with these stories from 20 and 30 years ago that my friend Chris had not even heard. And by the end of the day, he had this rich legacy and all these things to print out to share with his children. And so I know social media can never replace face-to-face contact. But it certainly has been nice for many of us to come alongside and to offer support from people we might have even forgotten, had a relationship with our loved one.
0: Right. Well, we found that with Scott, haven't we, Heidi, that people have come forth years later because Facebook's come up and sent videos and everything else. It's been kind of interesting.
1: And given the wow. stories like Beth said that we had never even heard. And that's such a gift you can give someone, telling them stories about their loved one that you you haven't heard yet.
0: And those stories are also embedded in those per- people. They want to tell those stories too. They want those stories to be heard and and not just hold them, you know, for their self. But also Beth, I want to talk to you about writing because I think one of the things about writing is particularly even if it's not a happy, fun memory, if it's a traumatic one, writing it can also be helpful because you know it's there and you haven't lost it, but you don't have to keep thinking about it. You've got it down.
2: Well, I think it's a terrific way to release uh, if there are painful things in our past. And I know many of us, it's not all joyful that when we look back, there are some elements of pain or sadness and what i've encouraged people to do through when i served in pastoral care at a large church here in south carolina was to write a letter to the person that you've missed that you've lost but to you know go ahead and just spell it all out on there to tell the truth to you know there will be good things you'd want to write hopefully but also if there're things that are regrets or things that are uh, maybe just painful to go ahead and spill it on the paper and to me, that is one of the most tangible ways to get some freedom and to release those things that are just kind of staying in our heart and keeping us from moving forward. So I believe writing is a really real positive thing that can help us when there are regrets or some unfinished business to kind of see your um, your healing taking place right before your eyes.
0: I actually, I don't think Heidi knew this. And I, I wished, I, well, I don't know. I probably should have thrown it away. But I kept a journal the first year that was basically people say the ugliest things. Oh, wow. You know that's going to be my next book.
2: You get, And you guys need to contribute. It's going to be called You Can't Fix Stupid. Can I say <laughs> that on the radio? <laughs> yeah. How, some, you I know, like people that. meaning to be helpful a lot of times but will make a comment uh, that just isn't. I think that um, a hug— And no words are so much better than trying to fill the space with some words that turn out to be hurtful. I know you all have heard more than your share of hurtful words.
0: So I wanted to ask you, what would you say to someone who feels like they're barely hanging on or, or stuck in sorrow right now? I
2: would say to them that you're not by yourself. I think that's the one thing I've tried to communicate in the new book, Grief Survivor, is that it's really easy to get isolated. For people, especially those that tend to be more introverted, our uh, go-to place is alone and at home. And while we need some of that time, I think when we have too big a dose of it, you can start to believe that uh, little voice in your head telling you you're not going to get any better. And that no one cares about you when actually there are people that do. So what I would try to encourage someone who just feels like they're not quite sure how to put one foot in front of the other is to just take that step and try to connect with someone. You know, it might be a professional counselor or if you have, I know you all are very involved with the compassionate friends mm-hmm. for um, anybody that's lost a child, a grandchild, a sister, a brother. Uh, uh, anyone that's grieving the loss of a child, to me, to connect with people that have, then can somehow understand what you're going through. They might not understand exactly, but they would have a better idea than the general public. I think that's one of the healthiest things we can recommend, uh, to someone who just feels stuck. The yeah. other thing I try to tell people is don't try this by yourself. Being experienced in that way of handling things, literally the first three seasons of grief, I figured I should be able to do this myself. I was a church leader and I should be able to just have it all together. And that is just so wrong. We were never ever intended to go through life's most difficult chapters solo. If we could put a warning label on grief, I would want it to say do not attempt this by yourself.
0: Oh, I'd like that. So I really
2: try to. Yeah, shouldn't we make up some stickers? I just, I love I like it, yeah. Because I think that's when we can start to feel that the pain will always be this intense. And as you two are um, great testaments, life will get better, but it does take time and it takes hard work. <laughs> well, well, when we go through,
1: through things alone and don't reach out to others that have been there, sometimes we think that what it's go- we're going through is abnormal and we might judge it exactly. and think there's something wrong oh, with boy.
0: us. And you might think you know, you're crazy?
1: You other people, exactly. <laughs> mm. oh. Yeah. And when you get around other people that have had similar losses, you find out that, hey, wait a minute, you're feeling the same way. You
2: don't, you don't, you're not so self-critical anymore.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That is it. Well, I think one thing we hear over and over in this kind of work is how people just feel confused and forgetful and all those mental things that sometimes go along with grief. And when you add that in with sleeplessness, Or appetite changes and anger, everything that's going on in your mind that might be kind of new emotion to a lot of us. And I think if one or two of those things was happening, we would figure, okay, I can handle this. But together, don't we hear over and over, I feel like I'm losing my mind.
0: Mm -hmm. And, um,
2: what I've seen thankfully that over time that, that they do get better, that, um,
0: things will ease. Absolutely. And time is, you know, they say time heals all wounds. Well, I'm not sure it heals all, but that is what, one of the main factors that they found. But in your book, Grief Survivor, you have some practical ways for honoring and remembering people who have died. What, what are those suggestions?
2: Oh Boy, those are some of my very favorite parts of helping people. And we've seen this even in this past three weeks since losing K. But um, to make that video... I know a lot of people have pictures from years ago. I know in the one we just put together, it was put to classic Beatles music. (laughs) And there was no way you could watch it and not smile. It was impossible. Uh, One other thing that I'd never seen before, it was that they compiled a list of quotes that people had sent in text and emails and cards because we had had some time to prepare. It had been an 18-month journey. right? But uh, over the months they had, had combined this, beautiful list of these quotes that had come from all over the place and played that in kind of a reel as people were coming into the celebration. That was a great way to honor Kay. I like to tell people to get a great journal or get grief survivor or a memory box to put those things in and putting them all together somewhere. And then on those days when you just aren't quite sure how you're going to keep moving, get those things out. And to be reminded that these blessings, and these, I call them handprints, on our heart, will never, ever be taken away from us. So that they will have them not just for now, but for generations to come. I to like
1: me, it's one that of the greatest people things. People are so afraid that they're going to forget all mm-hmm. those little
2: details. And yep. I love that you call it the handprint on our hearts.
0: Mm-hmm. That's lovely. And
2: they, they, they can't be taken. I think we feel like so much has been taken from us sometimes when we've lost even part of our family, especially, yeah. and to be able to hang on to those handprints, uh, to me just reminds us of their legacy, and just reminds us year after year it 's great memories and a beautiful way to remember the people we love
0: ah uh, that 's great, and again i 'm thinking with the internet, I mean, maybe you cut out little snippets from Facebook and stick them in the in the memory box of people things that people have said and and those kind of things stories that remind you well, Beth, people can read some of your articles that you 've written for Open to Hope by going to our open to hope dot com website and clicking on Beth's name, searching for Beth's name, and you will be able to read some of her writings. And also, how do people get your book, and do you have a website?
2: Yes, it's quite uh, creatively named, griefsurvivor.com. So it's easy to find, and I really try to keep it concise, um, short, maybe three paragraphs, because I think most of us now read things on our phones. And if anything is really long, I generally don't read it. I don't know, maybe you all do, but I try to give people bite-sized nuggets of Mm
1: -hmm.
2: just hope and some encouragement and also to connect them with people like Open to Hope and our great friends over at the Grief Toolbox where um, someone can get um, encouragement and can get some resources even right away. Because I think sometimes we just need the right book or we need someone to tell us, I'm not by myself, I can do this.
0: I love it. Well, listen, Beth, thank you for being on the show and for being part of my community and my world.
2: Back to both of you, and next time we need to meet in Hawaii and we can continue the conversation. I love thank it. Thank you, and thank God you bless. Thank you for bringing hope. Thanks. Thanks. For bringing hope to so thank many. Thank you. Blessings to you.
0: Thank you. Well, Heidi, interesting show. And, you know, one of the things I love most is there should be a warning sticker that we have. Uh, Grief should not be done alone. <laughs> I think that is so apropos. <laughs>
1: And also that it's okay to have humor as a part of your coping. You know, humor releases a lot of emotion. And I know people feel guilty when they first use humor and laugh, et cetera, but it's such a big part of how I healed and how I coped with my loss.
0: Mm-hmm. And making videos, quotes, doing a memory box, a blessing box really important things. And uh, she also talked about three seasons of grief. I thought that was interesting because, uh, yeah, three years, it, it does take time. You're starting to move on to that healing process. Well, we want to thank you for listening to our show today. And we want to also remind you that if you've lost hope, Heidi and I would love you to lean on ours till you find your own. And God bless.